Your weekly T-Box dysfunction is back. Welcome to Maddie and the Caddy. I'm Matt Barry. Today on the podcast, Michael, the Caddy, finally came through. We have a Boom. guest. John Rom finished T9 at the Waste Management Open, 11 under. He's an Arizona State Sun Devil. Cannot wait to hear from John Rom. Uh, he was in position to win. Uh, we're going to ask him about that and much more. Uh, two things I need to know before we get started. Please subscribe, rate, review this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Tell a friend, tweet at us, steal someone's phone, subscribe for them. It helps us out greatly and helps more people find the show. And be sure to check out the newest podcast on the ESPN roster, SV Pod. He's back every Tuesday evening this week. He and Stanford Steve are talking about the Super Bowl that was in the Kansas City Chiefs. Find it wherever you listen to your podcast. Time now to tee off. Let's get started on Maddie and the Caddy. Now on the tee, it's Maddie and the Caddy. Here's Matt Barry and Michael Collins. So here we are, another Tuesday, and the waste management Phoenix Open did not disappoint. Cannot wait to get into that. Cannot wait to talk to John Rahm, who had a great uh, moment at the waste management Phoenix Open, uh, honoring Pat Tillman. So looking forward to discussing with him. It's been uh, three, oh, yeah, yeah. it's been three years since we had a guest. Uh, what's gonna? Is there something you want to say, maybe, hey. to your boy, the caddy? Yeah, thank you for doing your job. Thank you. What? Thank you for doing your job. See, this is how Brad and Chad can't just can't apologize. You for just what? can't be like throw me under the bus every single week. Talking about you never bring a guest. It's all you and it's your fault. And you don't bring nobody. And oh, it's nice that you talked to them. Did you get them for the podcast? <laughs> I love, I love how you're spiking the ball after you scored one touchdown in the last, this ain't a, wait, this in the ain't last a spike. 30 weeks. You know what this is? This ain't a spike. This is you saying I can't dunk it. And then when I dunk it and stare you down, like you looking off into the crowd, like, I don't know why everyone's cheering. You're, I don't understand. You're only I, since dunk, world number three is coming on to hang with us. You're only dunking the last 30 weeks. And speaking of world number three, John Rahm is joining us now here on Maddie and the Caddy. And, 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 and I want to start off with a couple of things. One, you're on the phone with Caddy. <laughs> and, and Matt Barry, who's a, who's a, a Sun Devil guy himself. I'm an Arizona State guy as well. So we have just now taken over this podcast for ourselves. Nah, well, go Devils then. And, and I want you to know that, that you know Caddy and how, how braggadocious he can be. Huh. You're the first guy that's made him look good in weeks. <laughs> Make him go look, look good? Why would I do? Well, you he, know what? All you had to do was call. Here's the thing. Don't let Matt talk all this smack on you, man. Let me ask you something. Uh, number one, do you have an Arizona State Sun Devil tattoo? I, I do not have any tattoos, so no. See, no tattoos. Matt talks all no. this smack about Sun Devil this and AZ State that. We taking over this. Guess who's trying to get his Sun Devil tattoo removed? Not me. Yeah, well, I'm not, I'm not proud of it, but I, I am <laughs> proud of the fact that uh, John Rahm joining us here. I'm adding the caddy. Yeah, I thought you did something great at really what's become our home tournament out there in Scottsdale, the Waste Management Phoenix Open. And you wore the Pat Tillman shoes uh, to honor Pat. Why is that something you like to do every year? It's, you know, it's uh, even though I'm not, I wasn't born and raised in this country. I haven't, I've been living here for seven years. And one of the things you learn uh, when you become an Arizona State student athlete is, is the story of Pat Tillman. Uh, when you have somebody who is an example as a football player, as a student athlete, as a person, 
he had his life figured out. He was in the NFL, great contract, bright future ahead of him, and and decides to do what many consider the most altruistic thing to do and, and join the army after the 9-11 attacks. And, you know, it's it's a very noble thing to do, especially for somebody who who's basically a celebrity and has everything figured out, right? I mean, he doesn't have to do it, but he feels like it's the right thing to do to protect these people in this country and protect uh, freedom in the world, right? So, and, and to die of friendly fire, which is a really unfortunate way to die, but things happen in war. Uh, I just try to, you know, remember that a little bit for people to realize that, yeah, we might be in the 16th hall in Scottsdale, we might be doing this. It's a party. It's a lot of fun. But there's a lot of people out there risking lives. And not only uh, Pat Tillman and, and people in the Army. I mean, you have police officers, you have firefighters, you have many other people risking lives just so we are safe and in charge of our security. So I feel like everybody can keep uh, uh, mind, keep that in mind. Uh, there's also a Pat Tillman Foundation. So whoever anybody wants to donate or looks into it, uh, I think it's important. And uh, I'm always thankful of the people that came ahead of me, right? So anybody in ASU that laid the ground for ASU to become what it was, uh, not only for golf, but for it, what it is right now. It's, uh, you know, I try to be thankful for that and and, uh, and and try to pay tribute to all these people that came in front of me, right? And and the same as I try to do my best to keep uh, traditions going onward afterwards. So uh, it's a little bit of everything combined. Speaking of traditions, I can imagine the 16th and that entire course, uh, TPC Scottsdale is a little bit different for you because you did play your college golf at ASU. For those of us who haven't had the opportunity uh, to play that 16th and walk through that tunnel, can you describe what that moment's like for you being an ASU guy? It's, I mean, any description I make is going to come short, honestly. To me, there's different ways I could explain it. Uh, I think more than the walkthrough and, 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 you know, just being there is, is the build up, right? Like when you come to the first practice run and you're like Monday or Tuesday, you see the stadium, there's nobody there, but you start picturing what it would be like and your heart starts popping and all that. It's, it's the anticipation, right? Like every good, excited moment, the anticipation of the moments leading up to it is the hardest, is the, is the worst part in that sense. Uh, other than, you know, the one that's going to be more exciting. And then once it's happened, once you go through and you get a 16, it's like, all right, we're here. And, uh, and you just kind of, you know, forget where you are. I mean, you still have to hit a great shot, right? So it's, uh, it, it all becomes part of the atmosphere. Uh, but I would say the moments before is the hardest part. The, the, the best way I can explain it is if you've ever seen the bull riding in Spain in Pamplona, it's, is those five minutes before when you know that gate's going to open and all hell's going to break loose. <laughs> it's it's pretty much the same thing from when you start walking out till you hit that shot and that ball adds to the green. It's like when you see it in the air, the silence of three seconds, and once it lands on the ground, whether it's good or bad, all hell's, all hell's going to break <laughs> loose. It's like those, gate, those gates opening, it's the exact same thing, right? It's, uh, it's, it's the same feeling you're going to get uh, for other football players or other players, the same thing, right? Once... They open that gate and you go through a tunnel. It's, it's a very similar feeling, but to take it away from sports, it's kind of like that. I don't understand why guys in Pamplona wear white pants when they're going to. Have you ever done that? Have you ever run with the Bulls in Pamplona? Hell no. You ever been next to a bull? Yeah. They're yeah, huge. Exactly. Would you run in front of that? No. And they, they wear white with the red, but like you said it, like you. So that, that anticipation, like you know, that's a traditional. 
it's a tradition though that that uh, the red with the white it's a traditional attire in northern Spain in the Basque Country area where I'm from uh, and, and Navarra that's it's a traditional attire. Actually, if you see that all white is also traditional in many sports, uh, soccer teams used to wear all white and differentiate by the belt. Uh, if you ever heard of high ally, at least in Spain, they yep. all wear all white and the difference is in the color of the belt, either red or blue. So that's that's why it's a traditional basket tire. That's the reason why they wear it. Now, when I asked if you ran with the Bulls, you was like, "Are you crazy? Hell no! no. Are you no. crazy? But why not? If that's if you're from there, is there or is that one of those things where, as a person that grew up in that area, you looked at that and was like, "Yep, that's for crazy, and I ain't crazy." Pretty much. Uh, I just, it, I mean, not that it's going to happen, but so many things can go wrong, and I, I don't think you can do it up to up until you're 16 or 18. And uh, I left my hometown to go to an academy when I was 15. So I was always too young to do it. And then I became decently good at golf where I wanted to protect my future. And a broken leg or broken arm was not going to be a good thing. So it, it, it's so many things that can go wrong, not that they do. But I got, I don't feel, I don't see the joy or just running next to, you know, big ass animal <laughs> running full speed on a small street that's wet next to thousands of people. I mean, it's just not, I don't, I don't see the joy of it. So what, what, what do, what is, give me, what is one of your adrenaline junkie things that you do outside of golf to kind of get you going? I mean, right now, kind of hard because I, I try, we try not to do many things because we, you know, we play year round. So right. any injury can, can be detrimental. So there's not that many things. The things I want to do, but I can't. Uh, growing up, I used to, we, we used to go skiing every winter. I love skiing. I love to play in any sport, honestly. Uh, but when it comes to adrenaline like that, uh, no, I'm not. <laughs> Nothing that's physically, uh, that I could possibly, you know, seriously get physically hurt. I'm not going to do it. No. If it's something that I might get a little injured for a couple of weeks, I might do it. But uh, there'll be a lot of people mad at me if I even try to do it. <laughs> Skydiving? I would love to. But every no. time I look, if you're over, what is it, 200 pounds, they charge you extra. And just as a principle, <laughs> I'm not going to. Oh, well, I'm right with you then. They'll triple oh, charge me. I ain't going. Yeah, the caddy, yeah, you're going to pay quadruple. Kiss my behind. I don't need a parachute that big. That's forget it. Hey, what was it like? Exactly. This, yeah, this year, like, do you feel like, do you feel like now you, you're, you're somewhat the new official host of the waste management? You know, because of, of, of how invested you are, not only of that school, but of that area and of that tournament, they really love you there. I, I did see a lot, a lot more support. Did see and hear a lot more support this year. Um, obviously Phil being there, he, he gets a lot of attraction, right? Two years ago, me and Xander played with Phil the first three rounds and I'm pretty sure me and Philip, uh, me and Xander were completely non-existent. Even though we were all top ten in the tournament, playing great, right. we did not exist. So it's uh, if Phil ever comes back and play, which I'm sure at some point he will, I I will take a second, you know, second plane again. I'll, I'll be I'll be one step behind. But uh, this year was great. Honestly, the support was unbelievable. And everywhere I went, even practice rounds in the 16th hole, throughout everything, it's it's uh, it's, it's a lot of fun, you know. Uh, it's a, it's a tournament I really want to win, and you can tell the crowd wants me to play good, and uh, I get the support. I mean, more than ever throughout the whole course, it's uh, it's unbelievable. The other thing I wanted to ask you about, and you talked about it, that you left home a little early and went to a special academy, but when you got to Arizona State University, 
Could you speak any English? Okay, so I, I, I talk I talk about this quite often. Uh, it was it, it's a hard process when you get dropped off in a country and your English it's uh, limited. Uh, I wouldn't say I I spoke some. I understood more than people thought, but it, it, the process of speaking right, like when you ask me a question, for example. I would have to translate every word from English to Spanish, understand the meaning, and think of what I wanted to say and translate that to English and say it. And that could be anywhere from five seconds to maybe 30 sometimes. And, and I'll just get shy and nervous because naturally I'm, I'm, I'm extremely shy. And I'll just respond, say yes or no to that question that maybe, you know, didn't require a yes or no answer. So there was a lot of moments like that where uh, it took a while. And then also I learned, uh, I learned you know, UK, British English growing up. So even on the golf course, everything, every pretty much I learned all the slang is British. Uh, all the accent I was used to is British. So when I came to the States, uh, it, it's a lot to learn. Uh, and it's not only just the language when you got to learn, it's a little bit of the way of living in the US, the culture, what's politically, culturally right to say, what's not right to say. It's There's a lot more that goes into it than just mm. learning, you know, the language itself. Uh, I always say, Freshman year, didn't understand a single joke that was told to me. Uh, <laughs> sophomore year, I started understanding, but I didn't know where the barriers were on what I could say or what I could not say. So it wasn't until junior year where I was comfortable. Yeah, I mean, I didn't want to say, uh, I mean, I didn't want to offend anybody, right? I mean, I know I'm making a joke, but I didn't want to say the wrong thing and get in trouble or offend anybody. All right, so, John, I'm very well aware of what goes on, on at ASU. Give me that moment, like that Mill Avenue moment, or that time where you were in college and you're like, this place is the greatest place ever. <laughs> oh, well, you, well, you, you, I mean, you mentioned Mill. I'm assuming you're talking strictly about partying. Oh, exactly right. <laughs> got, well, remember I come from Spain, which parties are a little different uh, to what it is in ASU. So, you know, it's – I actually didn't turn 21 until my last year in school – uh, November of the fall season of my senior year. So I technically didn't have that much experience in mill. And I'm not that much of a drinker or a partier. I'm much more of a Wayne Wednesday guy, Taco Tuesday type deal. <laughs> uh, so All right. I, I can't tell you many of those, you know, going out times, but uh, even freshman year, just those house parties where I was like, man, this is really cool, right? You don't do that in Spain. There's no house parties in Spain. So just even dealing with that, uh, was unique. Uh, it never, it was really weird to go out at like 8 p.m. to the bars, like, you know, used to going in Spain, you're going way later, right? You start <laughs> at like 10, 11 midnight and you finish at 6 in the morning. So, yeah. like, it was great to start early, finish at 2. I could even go practice the next day. It was, it was a great <laughs> thing. Uh, but I, I wouldn't say uh, there's not one moment exactly, you know, I mean, there's different experiences. I never, I don't think I ever saw one of those, uh, you know, wild things happening. Uh, I wouldn't say I did. I did learn. Oh, you know, shoot! I'm in the U.S. in one house party that got shut down real quick in a really bad manner. But uh, uh, that's a story for another time, probably. <laughs> oh no! You know what? How about John Rom doing his own tease? Yeah, How about yeah, that? We'll get that next time. He's like, yeah, I'll, I'll give you like you're teasing that. That's a radio trick right there when you're like, ah. I got this awesome story that's crazy, but we're going to save that for the next one. I'm like, all right, tease. Listen, when cop cars show up and they're pointing ARs at the house, it's not a funny one. At least it's not over for me. I can say that right now. There you go. That's something you now you can do it. I can laugh now 
wasn't funny at the time. Hey, well, I, I got add- lucky. I, mean, I, I got lucky. In that, I got really lucky that day, honestly. Uh, I saw it as I was leaving. I wasn't in the house, so I was one of those who was actually not going to be in trouble. But, man, that was that was some of the scariest things I've ever seen. Yeah, man. See, that's when you're like, I left the party at the right time. I, that was perfect party leaving timing right there. Well, that's one of those things where I'd be like, that would never happen in Spain. Ever. That's not something I would ever experience in Spain. I can <laughs> tell you, because usually, I mean, when you go out, you're a buzz, you're a club, things like that. It's under control. Nothing like that would happen. So, um, but yeah, it's uh, that, that was a thankful, thanks, thankful, thank you, God, for, for letting me, getting me out of here real quick. <laughs> well, see, you know, you don't have to worry about that no more. You're an adult. You're married now. So I got to ask you, I want to ask you about a golf thing, too. Um, how do you feel about this new, they want to do interviews on the course during the round? I know uh, how Brooks, you know, felt about it and what he said about it. I'm curious to to, to get your thoughts on you know, being interviewed while you're playing? Well, honestly, I've been doing it uh, in the European Tour since I joined the European Tour, and I don't mind it. I uh, I actually, I somewhat enjoy it because it's like, you know, five minutes of talking where you're just talking about golf and and uh, or whatever they're asking you about. Uh, and it, and it kind of helps to do a reflection on what you've done and what you have to do and set your mind to it. Uh, it's... The first time I did it was at the Irish Open. I ended up winning the tournaments. So I kind of considered a little bit of good luck. I I, I have fun doing them. I, I don't think it's a bad thing. I mean, we don't have, unfortunately, like most sports, we don't have halftime or you know periods be, between innings. But uh, where you know players and coaches might get interviewed, uh, I do think it's good for the spectator to see a bit of what's going on in somebody's mind in tournaments. Uh, I think it might be a hard thing to start doing in majors because it's a little bit more intense, but. I'm, in regular events, uh, I actually, I don't mind it. I think it's a good thing. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a good thing for, for the regular, for the viewer to, you know, to see or hear uh, what we'll deal with or what's in our mind for a little bit. What if the reporter got you during one of your, let's say, more heated moments on the course? That's happened. Really? It's happened in the European tour after playing bad. And uh, and honestly, like I said, it's happened to me where it's helped in the sense of, you know, I got I start they're talking about they ask me about the game and and uh, I start reflecting on what happened in the last few holes. I forget that I'm mad. I I just you know reflect on what happened and and then they ask me usually is what happened how you play and you know what's the plan for the future and I basically say what I want to do in the next few holes. Usually they come on, you know, on nine and 10 and well, like on the back end, I got to do this. And it kind of reshaped the focus of the, the round and it's helped me many times. Uh, and I'm being, I'm speaking truly honestly, it happened at the Irish Open last year where on the third round, they came to me mid-round. I wasn't playing great. And they're like, and I'm like, well, I'm going to need to shoot very low the next 27 holes to win this tournament. I proceeded to shoot six under on the back nine, eight on their final round and win the tournament. So it, it happens when it helps. Uh, but for the most part, They'll go to the player who's playing the best on the team. Mm-hmm. So if you're not playing good, they usually won't ask. How close do you believe you are to winning a major? Uh, I mean, if I knew, I would tell you. I don't think anybody ever knows how close they are. <laughs> uh, I do believe my game is is getting uh, is getting better and better, and I'm mentally getting better. Um, I also I've been you know 
changing my practice routine a little bit better, trying to refine a little, a couple things, and uh, um, it's showing. You know, uh, I've been really consistent for a long time, and uh, you know, consistently in the top ten and always having a chance. And there's always I can pinpoint one thing that I could have done a little bit better each day to maybe give myself a chance to be in better contention. So uh, I'm just slowly working on things uh, and hoping it, it clicks at the right time. Uh, I haven't had the fortune to actually play extremely solid at one of those weeks uh, or just solid. You know, a lot of times I just had to figure out a way to finish in the top 10 or give myself a chance, but which is what golf is about. Uh, but I believe I'm getting closer and closer each day. Uh, I don't know how to say how close. Uh, how to quantify it, but really close. You know, in the past, too, you've talked about how you are really working on the mental side of your game and whatnot. When you look back at where you were and where you are now, where do you see yourself in that process of the mental game going forward? Yeah, well, I mean, everybody, if not most of us, work on it. uh, And we all got something to improve, right? Uh, I think uh, it, it's improved. Uh, you know, some people might not believe that it's improved, but if you know me since high school, since college, and ever since I've since I've turned pro, uh, it, it, it's improved a lot. I'm going on it. Um, the one thing I don't like about myself, and I keep saying it, like it's it's all right to get mad. Everybody gets mad. We all get mad. It matters. You know, things happen. Ah, whatever. The one part I don't like about myself is when. I just start deflecting and complaining and whining a little bit. And that's, and that's what I hate about myself. It's like I get in a little bit of a spiral, start complaining about anything instead of owning up to me making a mistake, right? Because I mean, you know, oh, blame a spike mark because I didn't make the putt. Well, it's rarely ever a spike mark unless you're at Torrey Pines where, okay, it's point at greens, right? For the most part, at Augusta National, you can't say it's a spike mark because there's no marks on the green. It's absolutely perfect. So <laughs> there's many... <laughs> there's sometimes where I just deflect, uh, and there's been weeks when I've been really good at owning up to what I do, like in the Spanish Open at Dubai, you know, just owning up at my mistakes and I've been able to, to win the tournament thanks to that. And it's an ongoing process, right? I, I kind of try to equate it for, uh, to people that have, uh, in that, it's a similar thing, but not literally the same things. I hope people don't take the wrong way, but somebody who's addicted to something, right? If you're addicted to alcohol, it's not like one day, you know, you go to AA for a year and you're done. It's an ongoing thing, right? You have mm-hmm. to keep working on it because at any point, any given time, you can have a relapse and have a hard time. So it's a daily process of work where there's going to be ups and downs. And I'm, you know, I'm just working towards those downs to not be as negative on me uh, as as they are. Because every athlete, I mean, Sevi got mad, Tiger gets mad, a lot of people get mad, mm-hmm. Ben Crenshaw got mad. And it's just, but, uh, they weren't complainers. And that's the one part I, I really, I'm trying to dial in, uh, on myself. You know, you can get mad, whatever it is, just don't look like you're a little bit, like a, a little bit of a juvenile performance, if that makes any sense. You, you know, you know who can help with that? I bet you, I bet you the wife can help with that. Marriage <laughs> will calm you down a bit, won't it? I don't know. You met Kelly? <laughs> Touche. Touche. She is. She is. Where, she, she's as competitive as I am. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I do. I do attribute, you know, that st- uh, stability I do have in my life with Kelly, uh, and even getting married to, to helping me just mature a little bit and, and have a bit of a more balanced mind. 
uh, I do attribute a lot to that. That definitely helps. Because that's someone you can talk it out with. I know when, when both of us, you know, Michael and I, when we, when we marry, we have our wives to kind of just talk to about it. Have Soundboard. You, yeah. Have you, have you found that after one of those moments on the course, it's just comfort, even if you're not getting advice, just kind of yelling through your thoughts? Well, that's what I have my mental coach for. <laughs> I, I do, I do call him sometimes and just start yelling for whatever reason. And he understands that that's, it's part of it. And, and with Kelly, in a sense, she was an elite athlete as well and as competitive as I am. So she understands those things, right? So she, she knows that if I have a bad finish and I struggle, she knows I'm going to have an hour when I'm going to be struggling, you know, with myself of like just being mad. And uh, and that's about it. She knows how to deal with it. And if I have to talk to her, I'll talk to her. She's very receptive. It's it's uh, it's a good thing. I was somebody who understands the situation. I mean, a lot. Uh, and not to say about otherwise, but it's harder when you haven't been an athlete and you haven't experienced it right. yourself, right? It's mm. it's hard to you know know what to do or or how to act to you know help your husband or partner out. It's it's a, it's a difficult job. It's much difficult than what I do, you know. So I'm lucky to have her in that sense. What's a harder job, reading a putt at Augusta or being John Rahm's mental coach? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're acting like I'm mentally stable over here. Come on. <laughs> You know, like, uh, if he gets you on a bad day, like you never know what's going to happen, right? No, 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 no. I, I <laughs> for the most part, when I, I I sign scoring and I get about this twenty thirty minutes uh, where after we finish, I eat something and you know I have time to just calm down. And I'm frustrated, but I'm not angry if, you, if that makes any sense, right? So yep. I'll call him frustrated and I start saying, you know, whatever's going on and help me through it and I'm okay. Or, or I'll talk to Kaylin, she'll help me through it and, and, and I'm all right. But, uh, it's, it all depends on who you are though. I actually, you know, Augusta without having the, the greens books and all that. And I'm a, it's a very natural feel place where I enjoy those greens and I read them easier than other places. So mm. if you're talking about me, I'll say my, my mental coach is a harder <laughs> job. Uh, <laughs> In some other cases, depending on the player, they might have a harder job, you know, reading putts or I guess that. Who knows? All right, let's forget about golf, man. I want people to get to know John Rahm now. So let's see. Yeah, man, you know me. You ask the good questions. Come on. I, well, thanks, bro. That's what I'm saying. I want everybody else. So let's say the game of golf had never been invented. What does John Rahm do for a job? Ooh. Well, that's, that's hard. Yeah. Um, well, I grew up with hopes of being a soccer player for my home team, uh, uh, a goalie. Uh, I did play soccer and I was a goalie. Uh, that would have been incredible. But if you're talking about non-sporty things, I honestly, I've had the goal of being one of the best players in the world in a professional golfer for so long, I couldn't even tell you. Honestly, I have no idea. Uh, yeah, I really don't know. I keep telling all my friends. I'm like, I don't know how you do it. If you put me in an office nowadays, like if I had to quit what I do and put me in an office, I would last 20 minutes before I went nuts and quit. <laughs> or got fired. Yeah. One of the two. Yeah. Same thing. Probably. Yeah. So at some, honestly, it would be something outdoorsy. I'm not a person who can be indoors and sitting down for a long time. So it would be something outdoorsy. Uh, whatever it is, I have no idea. Are you a big, uh, like a big TV guy, big television show, movie? person 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Give me number one on your Netflix queue. Like, what do you want? Oh, Netflix? Yeah. What's, what's right now? I don't know. We are, uh, it's not on Netflix, but I do love the, the Good Doctor. Oh, that's a good one. ABC. Oh, it's a good, yeah. good, good program. What yeah. are you, what are you listening to in the car? Let's say Sunday, uh, two shot lead, driving to the golf course. What you listening to on the radio? What gets you in that golfing mode? Well, I have honestly, depending on the, the week, going to the golf course, uh, whatever songs I'm liking that week or whatever is popular at the moment. I don't have anything. Uh, on the on my warm ups, I always have headphones on or at least one, and I do have a free round. If you go on my iTunes, there's a free round playlist, and I will always listen to that while I'm warming up. So you have a playlist just for the warm up every day. Yeah, it's honestly strictly hip hop, okay, uh, rap. Good. Mainly, I've talked about this. It's mainly Kendrick Lamar and Eminem songs. Honestly, eighty percent of it is Kendrick Lamar songs. Some Travis Scott in there. And uh, whatever songs, uh, I just think you know, get me on the mindset of uh, of competing. Uh, I do add uh, depending, you know, depending if I'm just listening to it, I like it, I'll add it. Uh, if not, uh, I'll just stay to the to the to the playlist. Have you ever been caught warming up, mouthing the lyrics, and actually rapping out loud when you're listening to them? You know, I'm rapping them all the time. I don't know if they're loud or I don't know if people can hear it. But I'm, I'm, I'm for the most part, when I always do the same thing, I get to the putting green and I have this putting drill down where I have four tees around the hole, uh, three, four, and five feet. And I, I put, there's a couple songs I usually put in. Uh, there's two songs I'll start with, either Last, Last Supper by a rapper called D Smoke, who was in a Netflix TV show, now you talk about it, that I highly recommend, called uh, Rhythm and Flow. Mm. And uh, the other one is called I, just... I from uh, Kendrick Lamar. I'll start with one of those two or those two, and I always put make that drill. Would takes about five to ten minutes, and I'm always uh, if I'm not saying it out loud, I'm like rapping. My mouth is moving pretty much <laughs> every time. How hard is it to get rid of the hat tan? I don't know. If when I get it done, I'll let you know. Because I'm telling you, man, that the hat tan is pre- it, it's it's pretty prolific on you. You're pretty good at it. Well, I mean, <laughs> it's the problem of being half Spanish and half white. I'm really white, and then I get really dark. That's what it is. So part of me, <laughs> you know, that's, that's what happens in my in my forehead. I really, I I try to, and even when I'm home, I play without a hat. Uh, but then when you're in a tournament, I mean, like when we're gonna go to to Mexico City, where the sun is intense, in three days that you're there, it's already gonna be a big headline. I just can't. I can't. I can't even it out. <laughs> it really is amazing. Hey, trust me, I feel you, bro. The, my head never matches the rest of my face. Last question before we let you go. Um, I'm gonna give you your choice on the first major you can win. Of the four majors, you can win any one. You get your choice. Which one are you wanting first? You know, it's it's a complicated answer. Uh, because I could make an argument for each one. I must start saying what I've always said as a European. Uh, I would say the Open Championship would be the ultimate goal. You know, that Clara Jug, that walk down 18, I don't think there's anything better in golf. Uh, now, obviously, Augusta, it's, it's a very special one. But as a Spanish golfer, 
the appeal of saying to be the first Spanish to win either the PGA or the U.S. Open. Mm. I would say the U.S. Open ahead of the PGA would be really special. I you like know, that. something that nobody else in the history of Spain has done. Uh, it would be it would be quite unique. So I could make an argument for each one, but I would say uh, ahead of everything, it's always going to be the Claret Jug. I don't think walking down 18, you know, hopefully with a couple shot lead, just to enjoy that and knowing that you've won out, there's anything better than that. Hey, will you be honest with us? Are Americans soft in the Ryder Cup? Are we are we soft? No, um, no, I don't think so. No, why do y'all keep you? You our, guys kill us. I don't understand. What do you mean? We you, European team got killed at Hazel team. Look, in the last like seven, we won two, and we can't win on the road. Are we? We're soft, aren't we? You know what I mean? Like, I don't no, understand. Listen, listen, it's. Is a type of golf, and it's a type of golf that you play in Europe. It's just it's a little bit different, you know. You're not there hitting drivers 350 yards wedge and making 10 birdies around. I mean, Paris, you rarely hit drivers. Where that plays to the European strength, right? It's not about overpowering something. It's just kind of how it's going to go. Uh, I, I honestly can't tell you what. I, I don't know. I honestly, the main thing is, is because Europeans play both European Tour and PGA Tour for the most part. I mean, that core of the team, you have Rory, Sergio, Henrik, and Rosie, and others that you may add in years. They've been playing both tours for 10 to 15 or more years. So they know how to play both types of golf courses and they can accommodate, right? Most of the uh, Americans don't really ever go to Europe unless it's the Open Championship. And they don't usually play link style golf courses for the for the Ryder Cup, so I think that's the difference. It's a little bit of yeah, they're extremely talented, but there is a difference in the golf being played, and that's where I'll say is it's a bigger thing. Uh, I was actually shocked in the last Ryder Cup that not more no more players went to play the French Open, just knowing that the Ryder Cup is going to be at the same golf course. I was kind of sort of shocked at that. Yep, and y'all won, kicked our booties, so it is what it is. But, but yeah, hey, I didn't, out of 17 and a half, I contributed one point, so I, <laughs> I didn't do much. You know what though? That's one more point than I contributed. So, they, you know, I'm just saying, saying that you gave a point, still, you didn't get shut out, and that's all thanks, that matters. Michael. Yeah, man, you know, thanks, I got you. Hey, thanks for hanging out for a little while with us on the podcast, it. man, and, uh, we gotta figure out, so, have you ever gone to the bull, the running of the bulls in Pamplona? And if you've gone and I want to go, can we go there sometime just to watch? I don't want to run. You can watch. Oh, yeah. I mean, people don't know the running is at 7 a.m. in the morning. Okay. So a lot of people are hang, uh, hangover. Yeah. Or <laughs> just recently asleep. Um, <laughs> and, and they won't, they won't let you go. Uh, you know, I feel like you look a little bit drunk or like you've been drinking or tired, right? Because it's not only that it's dangerous to yourself, it's going to be a danger for everybody around you. Uh, but you can watch. Oh, yeah. I mean, they have the berries. You can just go on the side and watch. No problem. We'll plan a bowl, a, a, a run into the bowls trip, and then we'll plan the trip where we go to the tattoo parlor and get sparky right on your calf. How's that sound? That sounds good, right? Sounds like a horrible idea. <laughs> hey, John, th- thanks for <laughs> thanks, hanging out man. with us. Good luck the rest of the season. Uh, big things in store for you this year. We know it. And uh, great just talking life and golf with you. Thank you very much. It's my pleasure, guys. Go down. Have a great vacation and congrats to you and Kelly, man. Oh, see, you gotta, everybody got to stick that one in there. <laughs> well, you got to say it. Come on, man. He knows. He knows. <laughs> That's awesome. Thanks, bro. You're the best. <laughs> thanks, right, thanks man. Guys.
What a fantastic conversation we just had with Rom. We're going to uh, break that down on the other side and talk quickly about Pebble Beach. Coming up next on Maddie and the Caddy. Welcome back to Maddie and the Caddy. Uh, you just heard the John Rom interview of which we talked about everything from rap to golf to his mental coach to his time at Arizona State. And one thing that I loved, I think more than any of that, is where when people know that they have to improve in an area of their life, the the hardest part for anyone is to admitting that it's a problem. Mm. And the fact that he admitted that getting down on himself and and how he deals with golf mentally, the fact that he knows that that's a problem, that he's consciously working on it, I'm telling you, when that syncs up with the skill, you're talking about multiple time major championship. Oh, he, and there's no question. No, there's no question whatsoever. And that's the thing that a lot of people didn't give him enough credit for. And, and that was how smart he was at self-realization. You know, everyone said, oh, John Rahm is young and he's feisty and, you know, he's got a lot to learn and it's going to take him a while to get. Nah, it didn't take him long at all. He looked at it and was like, you know what? I don't I don't like acting like this on a golf course. I'm going to do something about it. The other thing I love, too, is is he goes, I. It's 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 very similar to uh, other areas of life where you go. It's easy to deflect and, and yep. think it's not my fault. It wasn't me. And it's hard to go. It's my fault. I'm not going to be perfect at this all the time, but I'm working on it. Right. And for him to, to be in a place like that is like this dude is a dangerous individual on the golf course. And that's saying a lot for somebody who is still so young. He's so young. He hasn't had, um, a year where he's fallen off. Sometimes we see some of these young players right. start building and building and building. And maybe, you know, I, you know, Jordan Speed or something, just that they, they go away for a little bit, try to, he's still, he's still climbing. And I'm telling yeah. you, the game is going to match up with everything else. And he is, he's, he's a world class player. He's ranked third in the world right now. I mean, to be at his age. And I remember when he first came onto the scene, like I knew him because of the Arizona State connection, but right. where he came from out of nowhere in the world rankings and just kept climbing up. It's like, wait a second, who's this guy that people kept calling John Ram? It's like, it's not Ram, it's Ram, you know? <laughs> and now he's a world-class player, top five player, with, I think, credentials to be up there each and every week with Rory Brooks and the major championship winners we have on tour now. He's definitely deserving of being the number three player. The one thing that I like about him too is he's a guy who won't put more into being number one in the world right. than should be there. Where a lot of guys, once they become world number one, they they put more pressure on themselves and higher expectations on themselves. And I don't think Rombo's the type of guy to do that. I don't, he doesn't strike me as the type of person that if he was number one and then got bumped out of number one, I predicted, um, earlier this year that by the end of this calendar year, John Rahm was going to be world number one. Mm -hmm. And I still firmly believe that, that, that he can be world number one by the end of, of this, of this year because his play can be so consistent and, that's what it takes. But he's also one of those guys where if he falls out of the top spot, 
he's not going to continue a downward fall. No, out of the rankings, no. Yeah, he'll go down to like number four, number five, then he'll bounce back up and be at number one for a while. And and so I expect him to kind of be there. Look, I think ultimately these guys' goals, one, win majors, two, win championships, golf tournaments, right? And if you're winning majors and you're winning tournaments and you're in contention and finishing within the top 15, top 20, you are going to find yourself near the top of the rankings. The rankings don't happen without your performance on the course anyway. So I think a lot of these guys stick to the first thing first. Let's go get a major. Let's go win one of those. <laughs> right. You know, and then let's yeah. worry about everything else. So I'm excited to see, uh, what he has in store for him, uh, in his career because he's such a good young player. And the thing is, is that's why I love when you do your job and you do get a guest on the program <laughs> that we get to know. These players that you might not, you don't see that on TV. The first one thing, thing I, yeah, one thing I didn't agree with with him is with the major that he chose, and uh, he actually gave me US the Open. why he chose. Yeah, see, he chose the Open Championship, you know, to win his first one. But when he mentioned history, it's like there can only be one first, right? So for him, if he won the U.S. Open. The first Spaniard to win the U.S. Open, like that is, that's icing the cherry and another layer of icing on a cake. Yeah. Oh, I agree. And, and you get to know, here's, let me, we'll peel back the curtain a little bit here. Not that the patron on Maddie and the Caddy don't know this already, but when you, when you watch the tournament, these guys are in competition. I'm going to, I'm going to help you out with something. When they are doing their post round interview, they're in TV interview mode. They're not revealing much, yeah. if anything at all. So to get a guy like Rom on here and kind of listen to him have fun and talk about hip hop and, and all of that, it really brings down to earth who these guys really are. He's young. He's in his early twenties, mid twenties. He's, he's, he's going to do stuff that those guys like to do. And I think it's really insightful to kind of get to hear from these guys on a much different scale. Yeah, I feel so good knowing what he listens listens to. Because think about this: so Brooks Kepka right now, as we record this, world number one hip hop guy. Yep, Roy Roy McElroy, hip hop and electronic dance music number two, world number three John Rom hip hop, Justin Thomas number four hip hop. Just saying. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. We can't get any country music in there. Can't get any. Golf is talking about. You know what? If you want your golf game to come back, you better play country <laughs> backwards. You got. So you play country music backwards, then your golf game come back. Yeah, because right now so I'm just your dog. Yeah, ex wife. I'm just losing everything right back. now. You get your house back. Get your All money back. Get your wallet back. All right. So are are you in Pebble Beach? I am sitting in the media center at Pebble Beach right now. Uh, there's a shootout. Uh, this afternoon, a little putting competition that I'll be going to. Um, that includes Ted Potter Jr., Vaughn Taylor, Jimmy Walker, Brant Snedeker, mm. D.A. Points. Mm. Then Steve Young, Matt Ryan. I've heard Kelly of them. Slater. I know them. Aaron Rodgers and Larry Fitzgerald. Wow. Okay. So I'll be down there hanging out with them. And Wednesday or, yeah, Wednesday. Why don't you I'll stay be- on fire? Why don't you get Fitzgerald for next week? Why you, why see, th- why don't you keep, I mean. why don't you keep, see, here's, here's what I'm worried there about you, with you. Like, why don't you, you just say, why don't I stay on fire? Like, why? Here's my worry you with you. Even, 
You're going to, February 4th, you're like, yeah, yeah, that's John Rowe. And then we're not going to have someone else until May. What makes you think that? What makes you, I don't know. How history? Do you, how do you not know that I don't have something lined up already? Really? Yeah. Look me in the eye and tell me that's the truth. I can, I'm looking you right now. I can look you dead in the eye from across the country All right. and be like, why you got to, you know, anytime you want to bring somebody. Working on it. Efforting. No, you're not. All you're efforting on is putting the pressure on me. Look. There are there are rules to this relationship, <laughs> <laughs> and this is one of them. All right, so give me something, give me something to watch. That'd been a question I wish John would ask. What is harder, being a mental coach for me, or listening to Maddie and Caddy argue like old married people over who has to get guests and who doesn't? You notice he did stick up for me when in the very beginning. See already. You got the memory <laughs> yeah. of a married of an old married person. Out of the next thirty nine weeks, how many of the tournaments will you be at versus me? What does that have to do with anything? Uh the guy that's got access to the guests. I'm sorry, do athletes not come through Bristol? Uh no. Do we not, not actually do not we, anymore since is... get up started. They all go there. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. See, there you go. Yeah, so, the gear does steal a lot yeah, of so you yeah. figure it no, out. Man, all right. I will. I'll figure it and I'm going next week where you know there is a next week there's a big thing happening Monday afternoon at the Genesis, but right. this week at Pebble, um now I don't want to hear any crying or complaining, but there's a chance that I may have to do an interview alone. So, you know, be careful. You keep already, complaining already about me up. getting guests. You keep complaining about me getting guests. If you're not, you just said you're not on the road with me all the time. So if I get a guest or two mm. and you ain't around, I don't want to hear you crying. All right. It's already, you're already setting it up. That's what I thought. <laughs> Right, so, now. <laughs> no, it's like the guy that's like, oh, it's windy. I've got new clubs. I got an old glove. They're already setting up the score. All right. Hey, man, how do you feel about, uh, real quick, how do you feel about the interviewing on the course during the round? Pointless. Because now we have two different versions. Brooks is like, I ain't doing it. It's pointless. I ain't talking to me. It's and, like, but John Rahm was like, yeah, come talk to me. Yeah, Every time you do, I win. Because it's therapy for him. Like, here, I would go on. I'll go on record and saying that I think halftime interviews are the worst thing in sports. Or pre, like, there's just nothing. They don't give you anything. Like, the right before kickoff interview, I like because you can tell the coach is pretty amped up and you can hear yep. the crowd. Agreed. I don't mind those, even though they don't give you anything. Yep. But as they're running to the tunnel, they always say, "Well, we need to get better here, here, and here. We got to stop the run. We got to come out and play better in the second half." I think they're pointless. So I don't know how revealing these guys are going to get mid round. I just don't. I'm I'd rather require I'd rather require them to be mic'd up for two holes. I I think the pre round interview on a Saturday or a Sunday is pointless, but I kinda agree with what John said when he talked about it's nice to have an insight into the mentality of a golfer while they're in the moment. I also agree that it's extremely intrusive. I think that there are very select few guys that you can do that with and for where it would be effective. But I think when you can do it, that it is a great tool. But I think 
the pre-round interview is Pointless. stupid. No. Oh, I, it's it's for a, any in golf especially because the last thing I want to do is do a pre-round interview and then that guy goes through his practice routine and he plays terrible on Sunday and then I'm the guy that he sees and be like, "Yeah, I remember talking to that fool." That's the like, thing is it's such a can happen. Now, John, you know, Rom has a good memory of it cuz he did it and then won the tournament, but like if you get a guy that that's playing well and you kind of break his break his rhythm or Graham McDowell got a, a he got warned on slow play right after. I'm telling you, like, I just you just see these guys coming and talking to me. There's just no there's just no point. I mean look yeah. at the look at the chaos we caused at the seventeenth at the waste management open last year. Our chaos was awesome. We we slowed the whole it. damn thing down. So we, no, we did. Not. Yeah, we did. No, like we, we they got behind no, it, because of no, us. No, no, that was not because of us. Remember, we were there alone to start off with. And where is where it is a badge of honor? Be proud of yourself. We screwed up the tournament. No, we didn't. What we did was we set a precedent, and then by the end of the day, everybody and their cousin was over there trying to copy us. That's what slowed things down. So I'll take that like a champion as far as we set a precedent and then copycats couldn't do what we did. So they slowed things up. Bam. Yeah, I said it. Give me something to watch this week at Pebble as we wrap up. (sighs) Um, By the way, real quick before we get to that, I'm sorry because we're kind of all over the place because of the rhyme interview. How about Finau, us, like Finau, we had dinner with him at the Open, Phoenix Open last year. Yeah. I thought our guy was going to get the win. How about that and then the Webb Simpson playoff? I thought that was great drama on Super Bowl Sunday. Forget the drama. How about that the two, two of the guys I would say are the most devout Christians on the PGA Tour are the ones in a playoff at the tournament that I would call Satan's Playground. Yeah. That makes sense, right? <laughs> You know what that is? That's the that's the big man upstairs. That's the big man upstairs being like, "Oh, really? You want to have people flashing and drinking and doing body shots?" Did you see that too? Oh my gosh! Um, I can promise you, Pebble's not gonna look like that this week because it never, it's never getting to like sixty-two or sixty-three. It's gonna be freezing this week. It's like we had to decide: Do you want sloppy? pebble weather or do you want perfect sunny weather but 52 degrees like 39 in the morning and mother nature was like i'm gonna give you the nice but i'm gonna freeze you out so this week's gonna be frozen there's gonna be a lot of layers being worn you're gonna see a lot of guys wearing those ski mittens to keep their hands warm and i think it will be interesting to see how the amateur celebrities and athletes kind of how they deal with it because let's be honest like most of us that are spoiled yeah when it comes to golf if it's 40 something degrees and blowing 20 yeah i'm not i'm not no, playing no nah, i'm good i'm not the only way i'm playing is if i've been i've been barricaded indoors all winter and i'm like fine it's in the 40s i'll play but you're right if right. that's not your reality not playing yeah, if you're a millionaire athlete, you're probably not playing golf when it's 40 degrees out and blowing 20. So, you know, I can't wait to see how unspoiled, spoiled people have to be in tough conditions that are, you know, supposed to be here this week. And that's just from the temperature. Like, it's going to be beautiful looking. So, um, 
I'm looking forward to this week. It's going to be fun. It's going to be, it's going to be pebble, just a little colder. <laughs> I've, I've got Paul Casey winning this week. Really? I like Paul Casey. <sighs> I think it's going to be another, like, I, I don't, I know the term sounds horrible, but I, and I don't mean it that way, but I think it's going to be another Ted Potter Jr. type. Brendan Grace, something like that. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, okay, yeah, uh, yeah, somebody, somebody of that caliber where there's going to be a lot of who, like, who is that? Where Ted Potter, I mean, he, he had won before, but it's like he'll win and then he, he misses 26 cuts in a row and then he'll just win. He's the ultimate, like, Powerball ticket. He's a lottery ticket as opposed to an ATM machine. Right. You you can't take cash. You can't take cash from Ted Potter every week because he ain't cashing checks every week. So. That was poetic. What? Your example. Cash checks, ATM and lottery ticket? And it's not an ATM machine. That would be an ATM machine machine. Yeah, it's an ATM machine. No, it's not. That's, it's an automated teller machine. That's what. Listen, don't tell me on my program. Well, I can't and can't say. It's a perfect time to wrap up the program. Be sure <laughs> to subscribe, rate, talk about us, tell your friends. Social media channels at Maddie and Caddy, M-A-T-T-Y, the word, and C-A-D-D-I-E. That is both the Instagram and the Twitter. Our thanks to John Rom for hopping on. Our thanks to the Caddy for timely doing our, his job. And our thanks to you for the download and the listen. We'll catch you next week. And you, So is your official pick Ted Potter? No. You made an official pick. Oh, I, I know. I know. Really? Thank you for listening to Maddie and the Caddy. Thanks for listening to Maddie and the Caddy. Check out more great ESPN podcasts in the ESPN app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Maddie and the Caddy.